Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, who has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at www.audibletrial.com slash sbfvgs. Welcome to Super Best Friends Video Game Sleepover, episode 37. You're listening to the number one video game podcast on the internet that features my best friends. I'm one of your hosts, Adam Redding. Joining me is Mike El Presidente Lopez. Oh my. That's a good name. I like it. <laughs> so official. And, I know. Yeah. And David, Mr. Fancy Pants, Bourgeoisie podcast host, Tate. What? <laughs> what does... What? <laughs> That was a name that Mr. Jessila gave you on Twitter. <laughs> That's why it's so good. Now it all makes sense. I, I, I remember that now. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> the Super Best Friends Video Game Sleepover Podcast comes to you every fortnight with each of us coming to the table with one burning topic from the world of gaming. However, we are changing it up a little. We're trying a little something new. Oh, are we now? Um, yeah, where we just have one major Bur- meat and potato. One burning topic. One, yeah, so maybe I should reword it with each of us coming to the table to discuss ah, one burning topic ooh. from the world of gaming. Ooh, ooh, I like it. There you go. There you have it. You suck the landing. I hey, appreciate that. Hey, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Adam, podcasting cool guy. Oh, man. Solid, <laughs> solid gold every time. I'm going to make a t shirt. I'm going to make a t shirt out of that podcasting one. Podcasting cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to say something like, like podcast marketing expert or something, but because <laughs> Adam is the reason for these, uh, these format, these sl- subtle, subtle, if I may say so, uh, yeah, format I think, changes. I think what it'll help it, it'll help us to not go for nearly two hours every time and make and me so, stay up till one in the morning or two in the morning yeah. or three in the yeah, morning. So <laughs> it, it should be good. It should be good. I think the show will be, it'll be taught with tension taught. Yes. Taught, like taught a lesson? No, no, no. <laughs> taught. Like, uh, like taught, like my muscles. Oh, like your muscles? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. These, uh, uh, these super sweet jokes are, are part of the reason dude, it runs so well. That's why you guys have me on this show, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what do you guys, what do you guys plan? Guys, okay. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. Oh. Before we do that, we have a super special guest oh, we this do. episode coming up a little bit later on for our meat and potato. Uh, we will have <laughs> indie and potato. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Singular. Yes. Uh, we will have Mr. William Cheer, the uh, indie developer yeah. of the upcoming amazing looking uh manifold garden uh first person puzzle game. and amazing so, amazingly titled this. also if we might indeed indeed so we'll, we will get to that a bit later but uh for right now it's just the three of us so yeah you know what do you guys playing i'm gonna start because you guys are not gonna believe what i'm playing uh, what are you playing okay so you guys know that i 
absolutely hate indie games, right? That can't possibly <laughs> be true, David. What, what What do you mean it can't be true? I, I hate indie games. No, you don't. You don't. What? Especially not Manifold Garden. Especially not on the episodes <laughs> where we have people coming to talk about their indie games. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit here. Okay. And, and right. let you in on a secret. Okay. I that you've been wrong actu- all this time. <laughs> I don't actually hate indie games. He he doesn't. Well, of course well, nobody does. Yeah. They're great. I, they're the, they're I just fantastic. felt like we had two guys that love them, so I needed to kind of project a uh i don't know i just needed to be a contrarian i am like that sometimes an on podcast persona yeah some people (laughs) (laughs) that's right some people call you know so like if everyone loves so some people have called me a hipster and one thing (laughs) hipsters do is they love to hate what everyone loves oh so everyone was loving indie games so i just had to hate them even though i actually don't okay so anyway all that to say what i've been playing uh this week is firewatch Oh, okay, no, he yeah. did it. Capo oh, yes. Santo in the house. Yeah, Capo Santo in a hizzy. Uh, is that a Man. thing the kids say? Hizzy? In the, the, on the streets, they say heezy for sheezy. Oh, good. Okay. Okay, good. Yeah. So I'm in the they right say, uh, zone. I don't yeah, know. yeah, they say it. They anyway, say it. I'm just about one hour. No, I'm two hours, three hours, two, two hours, two hours into the game. Uh, I hear, I hear it's pretty, sorry. <laughs> I, I it's it it shorter. Good. It's so, it's so, yeah, I'm you loving a, it you so You are an much. unspecified number of hours into Firewatch. Are you, are you loving it? I'm loving it. it the storytelling, oh, okay, so here's why I love it so much. The storytelling is just really compelling. Um, the act, the voice acting is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it's got, um... Oh, that dude! <laughs> I'm so well read on this game. It's got that one guy. It's got that and one that, guy from that and that girl from that show. Uh, yeah. No, he's. <laughs> uh, it's got. Um, oh God, what is his name? Um, oh gosh, he's from you're, Mad Men. You have to narrow it down for me. It's um. The, are you talking about the lead? Yeah, the lead guy. What is his name? I'm looking everywhere on the internet and I cannot find it, even though it's been everywhere on the internet. I'm oh my goodness you're letting you're letting the super the rest friends down oh rich summer that's his name rich summer and uh sissy jones is the lead female it might be kissy i don't know how you say that c-i-s-s-y jones it's probably sissy i like kissy better gotta be honest <laughs> kissy jones, <laughs> kissy jones. <laughs> fun to say uh, what what is rich summer from why, he's from why mad do men. i recognize his face oh from mad he men. was okay. uh he was the guy that like got put on the commercials uh spoilers it's like in the first season they put them on spoilers tv commercials anyway okay um anyway it's 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 pretty good the the intro i was not there's one thing that they have not shown in like any of the reviews that i've uh watched of the game and that's the intro which is slightly different than the rest of the game and it's huh it's it's really i it just sucked me right in and i'm, I'm enjoying awesome. it and i hear the game's a little bit short but yeah, that's yeah. okay. I don't have a whole lot of free time anyway, because the other... Th- I know. <laughs> I just picked it up, too. And, well, I, I sh- to be fair, my wife, for Valentine's Day, she got me a bunch of Vigi games. Oh, my goodness. It's it's out of control. But I, I digress. You keep going. Yes, you digress. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, like, the other thing I've been playing is lots of overtime uh, at, my, at my day job, which is Ooh. visual effects work. That sounds fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Overtime. It's, it's not that much fun. Uh, it's really long. But Is it sunset overtime? Sunset overtime. No. 
Although the sun does set while I'm during overtime. So these are the jokes, people. <laughs> these are the jokes. <laughs> Keep you coming back every time. That's right. Uh, working on a TV show that I probably can't say yet, but it's oh, it's a, no. it's a good so one. mysterious. I want, you know, so mysterious. There's like all kinds of weird secrecy in my business, so I don't there is. I don't know where all of it comes from. Uh, I'm pretty sure if you went on our website, you could see what pro- you could probably figure <laughs> out what I'm working on right now. But oh my! Anyways, uh, that's why I have only been playing Firewatch, and I haven't even finished it. And then, I, I'm guessing it rhymes with Bessica Dones. No, well, that hasn't even started <laughs> shooting yet. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Okay. <laughs> and and uh, and then Bear Bevel. Uh, is is done already? So <laughs> bare bevel, <laughs> bare bevel. <laughs> I, like I like it. So, what about you, Mike? What are you playing? Uh, so I took a a break from making presidents in Fallout Four because I have other things I just gotta get chucked off the list at this point. <laughs> yeah. I've noticed that you stopped doing that, and I'm sad. Well, I'll, I'll, don't, I'll come back to it. I promise. All right. El, El Presidente. There'll be, there'll be he, he will not let us down. No, yeah. I, I have a nickname now. It's a requirement. <laughs> um. So I have been uh, playing Final Fantasy VII, although I've also taken a break from that. Um, I don't want to get into why I took a break yet, though. I think that's going to have to be an upcoming it. show. <laughs> I feel like I have enough to to talk about with you guys about Final Fantasy VII. If I had to guess, uh, yeah, it's because you hate it. That we can make it a topic. Our our buddy Logan on Twitter was infuriated. Infuriated. <laughs> that, that you have spoken so disrespectfully of Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, it is, so, it, it is sort of a, a crowd displeaser, if you will. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I hate to displease the crowd, so I'll just give you the slightest teaser for the upcoming topic. It'll be in an episode or two. I don't know when I'm going to talk about it, but gosh, oh, that game man. is the worst. Oh, <laughs> gosh. So you would... Will you go on record as saying that game is the worst game? No, I'm just joking. All right. We we haven't even posted this podcast and our Twitter followers are plummeting, Mike. <laughs> plummeting. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm so, exaggerating. But I did take a break from Final Fantasy VII. I will come back to that. Um, sure. I'm playing some Helldivers and man, that's really fun. Ooh. Um, are you, pl- you playing with John? Teaming up? Yeah, we did one time. Okay. And then I just haven't been able to get scheduled to match up with anybody yet to to play online. Mm. I, haven't, and I, gotta, I haven't touched it yet. Yeah, you're the worst. So <laughs> that game is really fun and really, really difficult to either play by yourself or play with just like random strangers you aren't chatting with. Oh, I mm. see. Because friendly fire is, is enabled. I mean, there's no way to turn Ooh. it off. It's part of the game. Yeah, there's no uh, way to turn it yeah, off. So everything kills you and uh, random pickup games are the worst. It makes it harder than, than playing just by yourself. <laughs> So, uh, if, if you guys see me online and playing Helldivers, please jump into my game and make it better. I would yeah, appreciate okay. it. All right. Yes. These guys aren't going to do it. Um, <laughs> and then I, uh, I started playing, um, Uncharted, uh, the, the remastered, uh, Drake's, Drake's Fortune. Fortune. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So really, yeah, really fun. Three fourths of the way through that game, but I haven't played it in like a month, so I can't count yeah, that I, among I, them. I, I played a few hours into it and then Tomb Raider, Rise of the Tomb Raider came out and I was like, I'm sorry, Nathan, <laughs> I've played this adventure before. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm starting off on crushing and, and I'm doing a, a platinum trophy run for that mm, one. So sounds it might, real fun. Sounds it might take fun. me a little longer than normal to beat that game again, but uh, yeah, I'll make my way through all three of those platinums. And then I yeah. also started um, Grim Fandango stressful, Remastered. Stressful day at work, Mike. Go home and play Uncharted <laughs> on Crushing <laughs> Difficulty. <laughs> you don't mind replaying this same uh, wave of pirates 20 times in a row, do you? <laughs> 
And then I you kill a couple and you save. You yeah, kill a couple and you save. save. That's how you gotta do it. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so I also started playing the Grim Fandango remaster, and I'm also doing a platinum run on that. So I, I oh, I'm playing it, and I looked at the trophies, and I saw you have to have tank controls on. So I'm playing with tank controls, which is um, oh why? It's real bad. Well, you have to. That's the only way to get the platinum. You have to play with tank controls. Yeah. So. Why? Why do you have to get the platinum? What's the point if you're not going to get the platinum? <laughs> what is indeed? Um, hey, I, I actually, right. I, I have been playing one other game. I just remembered. Okay. Uh, and I'll just throw this in there really quick. Diablo three on PS4. Mm. Hey, ooh. I bought it way back when it came out and then I just never really got into it. And I have it as well. We should play. Yeah. We, well, we yeah. should play, but you live on the West coast and you play it like three in the morning. So, <laughs> well, come on. You're, you're a swing bachelor. You can stay up all night if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm a swinging bachelor in my mid thirties. So my body no longer permits me to stay up that late. <laughs> <laughs> my body has, has enlisted, uh, a strict curfew on my brain. Um, right around midnight, I just start getting worthless. But, uh, so usually that's the case for me, but like the last couple nights I've been up till like one, two in the morning playing the witness. Wow. The witness, man, it, it like, there's no way to get drowsy while you're solving (laughs) these mind bending (laughs) logic puzzles. See that when I think a lot, my brain gets like even more tired. Like, oh no, I don't understand how you don't just exhaust yourself trying to think so hard. So yeah, so this was part of my Valentine's Day gift. The wife, my lovely wife, she surprised me. I opened up a card thinking, oh, you know, I got a nice little card here. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe there's even a Starbucks gift card inside. Mm-hmm. Um, inside were folded up pieces of paper, and I opened them up, printed out on them. One says Firewatch. Wow. And the other, and the other one says The Witness. Wow. And I was like, I was like, yes. <laughs> and so I ran to the PS4 forthwith and downloaded both. And I've been playing the witness with such a clatter. Since. With such, <laughs> I rose such a clatter. Um, so yeah, I've been playing the witness. That game is amazing. Uh, it is definitely a 10 out of 10. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm probably, I don't know. I'm maybe like six hours in. So I really haven't, I'm just scratching the surface of that game. It's it's supposed to be to see everything like 80 hours. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, but you could probably finish it in about 30 is what I hear. So anyway, it looks really uh, good. I want to play it. It's really fun. So and and I love that how much Jonathan Blow like in his game design, he just he like respects the intelligence of the player. Like he'll he'll teach you a little something and then he here go on and use it and then it'll stretch you from what you know. And, and you learn more about how this world works. And then you go to another area, you have no clue. And so then you just wander around a little bit more. Oh, maybe this, I can solve this. And then you start learning from there again. And pretty soon you've wrapped back around to that area that you were dumbfounded by to start with. And you feel like such a G because now <laughs> you can solve it. So it is fantastic. So I've been playing that. Um, me and my boy have been playing uh, Puppeteer on the PS3. Yeah. What's that game uh, all about? I, I remember hearing about it, but I never played it. Did you did you pick it up free when it was free on PSN? Probably uh, PS not, because for a while I was just ignoring PS3 games like an idiot. Oh, that's it's a really fantastic game. So it's a it's a platformer basically. Uh, you play this little boy. I think he's made of wood or something, and um, he loses his head. 
the moon bear king he's a real jerk <laughs> and so you you uh anyway you find this other head and each different type of head that you get gives you some different ability some some perk mm-hmm. um and it, it's a platformer it reminds me kind of of like a little big planet type thing it's very high presentation value all the presentation um, so amazing for that game Yeah. And it's very much like everything is taking place like on a stage in a theater. And so as you go around the levels, like the curtain, you'll see the curtain swoosh by and like the new set drops in and stuff. And like, it's really cool. And like when, when a bad guy comes and does something terrible, like you'll hear the crowd gasp and stuff. (laughs) It is a fantastic game. So I've been playing puppeteer, um, loving that. And then my boy, he, uh, he did some chores. Oh, he earned himself some cash and he made his old man proud. And he bought an indie game with that money. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so he hopped on. I was just browsing around. I was downloading The Witness and uh, Firewatch. And then I also had some PSN credits. So I picked up, um, uh, what is it? Tank? What's it called? With Yarnie? What's that game? <laughs> with the what? <laughs> with Yarnie. What was that game called? Oh, oh man. My, unra- my brain. Unraveled? Un- unraveled. Unraveled. Yeah. Yeah. Un- so, yeah, I picked up Unraveled. So, <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> gosh, I'm tired. So You're tired. It's like, it's like 9.30 here, okay, Yeah, man, guys? oh, so late. It's like 12.30 a.m. here, so. <laughs> so anyway, so I, I picked that up, and while I was in there, it was like games other people have bought, you know, people who bought this game also bought, kind of column, and uh, Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time was sitting right Ooh. there. Hmm. And my, my boy was like, oh, what's that? Because we had a great time with uh, Pixel Junk Shooter um, on PS3. And uh, so anyway, um, I, I played the video because I had been hearing really good things, got really good reviews. And so I went in and I, I opened the game up or the little trailer on PS, uh, PSN. And he, he was like, Dad, I want it. Let's get it. <laughs> so he used his own money. He bought that. And we've been playing that a bunch. And that is an awesome, awesome game. Uh, it's very much couch co-op. Um, playing that by yourself is probably really, really difficult. Mm. <laughs> so it, I don't know, David, are you familiar with that one? I no, I'm not at all. <laughs> okay. So lovers in a dangerous space time lovers stands for league of very empathetic, empathetic, uh, rescue space knots. Okay. And, and so basically it's these little cartoony dudes and you're, you're in this ship and you can see inside the ship, they're like little ladders and stuff. And so you have enemies coming at you from the top and you got to run up the ladder and get on the gun at the top of the ship to shoot them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, you'll have one guy in the middle of the ship kind of driving the motor and like, and you'll have to run down to the bottom corner and move the shield. So, uh, you can block missiles and stuff like, so it's this frantic, like everyone's running around like chickens with their head cut cut off like trying to man all these different stations with just two guys mm-hmm. it's like imagine star trek but just like with two dudes okay and and they're you're trying to restore peace and love to the galaxy huh. so it's awesome and then we played some star wars battlefront which is always a good time yeah so. always a good time i haven't touched that in a long time but i probably need to go back to that at some point oh yeah it's a it's a good good it's a good all right are you guys ready for the news Oh, are we ready for some news? <laughs> That's what I was waiting for. <laughs> yes. So, speaking of Monty Python, I, I was telling Mike. Oh, I, speaking of, oh, I see. You, you think yeah. I'm doing the Knights Who Say Knee? Is that? No. No, it's, it's uh, what is it? It's Terry oh, Jones' character. Oh, the fishy one? Yes, no, there sir, you go. Sir, yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, sir Bedemir. Uh, so, anyway, 
There was a line at the beginning of that movie of, of Holy Grail that I have not understood since I first watched the movie when I was 12 years of age. Uh-huh. So this is like 22 years later. One day I realized what this line actually meant. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so I, I was blown away because the part where I, cause I was listening to Ready Player One mm-hmm. um, on Audible and which is, I'll get to that later. Um, but yeah. And at one point they start talking about the opening scene of Monty Python and the Holy Grail and where King Arthur, he says he's ridden this, the length and breadth of the land with his trusted servant, Patsy. And the guy up on the wall goes, pull the other one. And then he goes, I am. And so, and I never understood that exchange. And then I was, I realized, and, and I figured this is, I'm doing a public service to any Monty Python. Yeah, I fans. don't know what you're, I don't know what the answer is. When he says, pull the other one, he's, he's saying you're pulling my leg. Pull the other one. Okay. You get it? But why does he say I am? <laughs> he says, uh, he means I am, I am King Arthur. Oh. See? So that whole exchange makes so much more sense now. And oh, you're welcome. How did you figure that out? It just hit me. It just, just hit you. And that's, that's the news. Me. That is the news we have. So Twitter questions. <laughs> yeah. Do <laughs> it. I did want to highlight a couple quick items in the news. Um, Titanfall 2. There's some some rumblings about that. Mm-hmm. Apparently, apparently, it's going to have a campaign. It's coming out next year. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. And PS4 version also exciting. Yep. Uh, which yeah. means the platform that has all my friends on it. Uh, I'll yeah. be able to play with them. So that's fun. Yeah, because I I loved Titanfall. I played it on 360 though. So mm. you know, dirty, dirty was, 360, it, it 30 frames per second. It was the lesser version, but it was still a good time. So, um, but I, you know, because we had talked, the reason I wanted to bring this one up is because we had talked a couple episodes back about like the death of the story-based first-person shooter, Doom and Gloom. Yeah. And, uh, but already we're starting to see some of these games that were multiplayer only coming back for a sequel and having a campaign. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be awesome. So, I also hoping, I'm hoping something similar happens to Overwatch, but I, I don't have... I don't have. I'm not holding my breath for it, but that would yeah, be really. But that cool. would be really, really cool. <laughs> yeah. And and Gearbox um, came out, and they were very clear that uh, Battleborn has a campaign. Yeah. Oh. So so that's really cool. Oh, and uh, speaking of Gearbox, shout out to our buddy Joe King. Yeah, he's moving on up in the world. Who just moved down there to Texas? Moving, uh, I mean, moving to, on down, I guess. Because moving it's Texas. on down. <laughs> To Texas uh, to accept that uh, job over at Gearbox. That is super cool. So congrats to Joe. Yeah, congratulations, buddy. Yeah, that is freaking awesome. What yeah. is his official title? Is it, it's a... Uh, I believe he's a community manager. Yeah, community coordinator, community manager, something like that. So he's been doing it for a while, like contract, kind of unofficial, couldn't talk about it. And then he finally got hired for reals. Yeah. So super cool. It is. So, um, oh, another thing I found interesting, I've been seeing... There's there's a serious bromance going on between Guillermo del Toro and Hideo Kojima. I know. <laughs> like, they they are just like tweeting pictures of themselves <laughs> together all the time, like holding hands, skipping in the rain and stuff, and then also uh, tweeting pictures with like with uh, Norman Reedus. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it's like a dirty tease for the PT that we never that we never got. Yeah, but they, I mean, they just today as we're recording this, they just had a dice talk. Uh, together, Guillermo del Toro and Hideo Kojima. Yeah, they're up to some some and they, serious they business. They hinted at something, but they didn't announce anything. I thought for sure they were going to announce. <laughs> well, we're making PT, but it's called this now, and it's not Silent yeah. Hills anymore. You know, but yeah. they didn't. 
and they're just they're just a couple of teases. They just need to tell us what they're <laughs> up to. Teases. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I loved this. Me and Mike were talking about this today. Um, IGN button masher Brian Altano <laughs> managed to <laughs> managed to defeat the world renowned Street Fighter Pro at Street Fighter Five. <laughs> so what was the guy's name, Mike? Uh, Mike Ross. Oh, Mike Ross. Okay. So, and then also Lupe Fiasco did too, right? The rapper. Oh man. Yes. Yeah. Didn't you do a music video for him? I, I, I worked on one. I didn't do it. <laughs> you, I was one of you the. You did it. No, I was. I did a couple no, shots. Uh, Lupe recently beat uh, Daigo Umahara at a oh, Street Fighter wow. Five tournament. What's which going is like, on? Why are that's these... a big? That's a big deal. If like you watch like fighting games, Daigo is like the beast. So why are it's these just because... pros losing to? Well, like, I guess I think it's a, a combination of a few things, and, and one of them being, well, Street Fighter Five is brand new. Like oh. we've we've gotten to to mess around with the beta for a bit, but it's just recently came out, so everyone is kind of on even playing field again. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. It makes me feel a little better about these weird happenings, <laughs> these goings on. Yeah, because because yeah. Mike Ross is is very talented. Um, he he's got a, a strong tournament uh, history scene, and he's also on an excellent YouTube. Uh, show called excellent adventures uh which is hilarious if you guys ever going to go watch that mm. 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 i like it so <laughs> another item I like that you play too mike <laughs> this <will> play. <laughs> everyone you was can't. doing it you can't you can't hmm your own story i mike. think you can <laughs> i'm not president yet. i do what i want <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, uh, Destiny 2 is coming out next year, and oh, the word is that uh, that we're going to get one last big expansion and a for small the original. One. And a small one, yeah, they said. This year, in 2016, yeah. before Destiny 2 next year. So what are your thoughts, David? I am disappointed. You are the resident Destiny 2 expert. However, you were wrong on this, this prediction. Yeah, yeah, I had a prediction that Destiny 2 was going to come out this fall. And I was off by a whole year, apparently. <laughs> a whole year. <laughs> and uh, and I, gu- I guarantee you that's going to get pushed back until like May of 2018, would that be at that point? Because <laughs> that always happens. They're always like, okay, it's coming out in fall, and then they push it back. If it's a big yeah. game, it's getting pushed back six months after it was announced. <laughs> Definitely. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm really bummed. That means there's not going to be a whole lot to do in Destiny. Like, I... I would be shocked if the new expansion this year is as big as the Taken King because they have not talked about it at all. So mm. um, I, I don't have a whole lot of high hopes for returning to Destiny this year. May, maybe I'm wrong. I would love to be maybe. wrong. Um, yeah, the Taken King was pretty beefy. Was and that was the thing that it was, a lot of a lot of outlets and, and you too were, were saying that, you know, it was the it was the thing that made Destiny what it should yeah. have been all along. Yeah, if they had launched Destiny as the Taken King... Uh, destiny would have been unbelievable uh the problem is i don't know if another taken king size expansion even that i don't know if that is enough um because and here Mm. let me explain that really quickly to hold us for a whole year you mean yeah and let me explain that really quickly because bungie has been doing this thing where when they release new content it immediately makes the old content uh kind of worthless like you play through it once (laughs) and then you never go back to it um and well especially some of those early expansions where people have been grinding and grinding away at vanilla destiny yeah and then and then they release an expansion and you suddenly go up oh they've been grinding at vanilla destiny are you saying (laughs) i didn't i didn't mean that (laughs) (laughs) didn't you though (laughs) so they've been grinding away at vanilla destiny 
<laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> then they, uh, um, you know, they, the next expansion would come out and they would instantly be able to just walk up to the merchant yeah. and like buy the best yeah, gun exactly. that they had had to like, but not only so that, every, every jerk in the system had it. Yeah. Now. But not only that, there's like no reason to play any of the raids except for the one that came in the taken King. Like there hmm. are, there are what three raids in destiny. Uh, and you only need to play, or I'm sorry. Yeah, there's three and you only need to play the newest one, the old, the old two, they're kind of fun to do, but you don't get anything from them to like Ah. help you out. Um, like all the guns you get are like way underpowered. All the armor is like all your one armor and your two armor and guns are better. So, uh, so anyway, it's the way of the world. So way of the world. So I predict I'm updating my prediction. The uh, the new expansion is going to come out. It's going to render all the old content uh, completely obsolete. You're you're going to have no reason to play anything except for the new stuff. And the new stuff will be really fun for a couple months, and then uh, no one's going to play it again. So yeah. and that that is, I think this is just going to be the way Destiny is, unless they can find a way in Destiny two to like randomly generate content or or things to do or something. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I do enough. know there are players that are still like coming back to Destiny every day. Uh, I don't know what they're doing, but they're having. And that's a- no small feat for ben- Bungie to pull that off. Yeah, that's like that's pretty. I mean, that's months later. Most games only are hot for a couple of months, yeah. and then it's you know. So, but like, I love, I really enjoy Destiny, and I'm I'm good. I'm done playing it for a while. So, yeah, me too. <laughs> you oh, you loved it? Okay, good. Yeah, I'm All done. Right, I'm on. done with it though. But you loved All it. All right, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Are you guys ready for some Twitter questions? I, I'm there aren't any, so there's no ready. Destiny ones, right? This, well, the first three are about Destiny. Can you just choose only Destiny questions? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, first question comes from Miss Maya. If you could bring any item from a video game into reality for your personal oh, use, such a good question. Which would it be? Keep in mind the item's limitations still apply, so the portal gun still can't be used unless it's shot at the right surfaces, etc. So, what do you guys think? Okay, so, this is this is a silly answer, and I <laughs> mostly because I know everything could just go terribly, terribly wrong, which it did many times <laughs> in the game that this item is featured in. Okay, uh, but the the teleporters from Half Life Two. You know, they weren't super really well done. Like, you know, uh, you ended up outside the building that you were teleporting to, but still you teleported miles and miles instantly. And that's awesome. And I want to do that. And I know I'm basically stealing it from Star Trek, but I don't care. It was in a game. So it counts. I want a teleporter. (laughs) So yeah, that's that's pretty sweet. I mean, part of me wants to say, I want the flying DeLorean Mm. from, any Back to the Future game or from Rocket League? Ah, gosh, you're stealing my answers. That's not <laughs> from Rocket League. <laughs> but and, and but I'm gonna go ahead and say something much less practical, okay. And much and much more nerdy. I want a lightsaber. Oh, oh man, I want one so bad. Yeah, I want to. I just want to like cut my sandwich with it. You know. <laughs> yeah. Also, I, you know, I have a I have a second answer. I I would love a pair. I would love a, to get a helmet that lets me hover in the air when I'm aiming with a gun. Because that has something from Destiny, and I have no idea why a helmet would let you hover while you're holding a gun. But I, I yeah. want I want to see what kind of how this technology works. So, not that I'm like, like ever it. holding guns, but I would probably carry one around if I could like hover 
You know, what do you think, Mike? What do you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah, what's want, your pick? Yeah, you guys spoiled it. I want that flying DeLorean from Rocket League. That's, <laughs> that's all I want in this world. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just imagine you're driving the flying DeLorean. I'm standing on the back of it, swinging a lightsaber around but like wait, a madman. Does that mean yours is a time machine too? Well, it doesn't matter if it, as long as it flies. it flies. The thing is, I have a horrible commute, and the DeLorean's a super cool car, so oh. it solves two problems I have. <laughs> and it runs on garbage and banana peels. That's, That's right, yeah, Mr. Absolutely. Fusion. <laughs> there you go. Next question comes from Justman. And here's a, a fan, what was probably a lot better of Twitter name before a bunch of recent events, but oh. his name is Thrill Cosby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. Um, that was, it was an awesome name. And then next thing you know, Bill Cosby's a dirty old rapist. <laughs> so, oh boy. I'm sorry. Anyway. Anyway. I'm sure Justman is not. Yeah, Justman is a sure. great quality man <laughs> or woman. I'm sure. Justman or woman is awesome. So anyway, Justman writes and says, I would like to hear each host express their love for the Vita and how slash why it changed their lives. Oh, okay. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to be talking about this later, but uh, let's yeah. <laughs> So the Vita, 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 how I love thee. <laughs> Let me count the ways. Uh-huh. I remote play The Witness when my wife is watching Dancing with the Stars. That's pretty cool. Um, I, you know, I, I can play Bastion in the car on the way to work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's about it. Two ways. <laughs> but th- those two ways are important to me. They changed my life. Hmm. It is the most sleek, beautiful, and perfect mobile gaming device I've ever had the pleasure of owning. <laughs> wow. Yeah. There you go. Um, it is also the perfect place to play the indie games that David loves so much. Mm, it's true. It's very true. Well, now that we've pulled back the curtain, I don't think that joke applies anymore. I, I kind of <laughs> like some indie games. Uh, but anyway, I don't have a Vita and I don't plan on ever getting one because one, I'm a bachelor and nobody fights me for my TV. And two, I don't have a commute where I can play video games. So I have no reason to play one. Well, you, you, you take cab rides and Ubers and all that. Rarely. And subways I only and take those... Uh, if I'm working super late, so, and then even yeah, then, you could, sometimes you I could don't. be enjoying some sweet, sweet Vita action all the way home. I'd rather read or something, you know, read this guy, yeah. this guy over here. Sorry to, sorry to burst your bubble guys. <laughs> <laughs> and I am actually doing the opposite of what Justin would like, but I had to be honest. I don't, I don't, I don't plan on ever getting a Vita. So. You did, I'll edit that part out, Justin. Yeah, please, please do. Because <laughs> it's a filthy lie. We all know it. <laughs> so next question comes from Joseph. Um, does your faith now or has it ever impacted what games you play or how Whoa, you play them? This is a, that's, a, that's a very good question. I, I don't know if I've ever thought of it necessarily in those terms, hmm. but I feel like uh, I, I feel like my personal just I, I don't know your your tastes are kind of shaped by the kind of person you are so say if you're a christian like me then you have i don't know like i i just find myself kind of more repulsed by like really dirtbag characters and you know like like in a grand theft auto game or something or like Not the that lead I, character of devil may cry Exactly. Oh, oh, I, I just couldn't stand <laughs> oh, gosh, the lead character Demi Cry, and I don't know if it's necessarily like a, a, a faith issue. I think it's like 
I don't know it's if anyone part, can stand that guy really. I, mean, <laughs> I know some people love I, that game, so I don't know. I feel like I feel like all faiths and creeds and tribes and tongues should should be able to uh, unite behind the hatred of Dante in the Devil May Cry reboot. <laughs> <laughs> but all that to say, um, I guess it has to in certain ways. Uh, your belief system has to impact what you enjoy and what you what you don't but um i yeah this it's a very thought-provoking question though i know the, the our buddies over at the reformed gamers podcast they i think they had a recent topic um this our, our good buddy logan um was saying that uh he had a, a topic one time like you know is it is it wrong to play like horror games and stuff and it's just kind of a cool discussion huh. so if you, if you want to check that out they probably dealt with yeah, it it's very cool more more eloquently than i could yeah have, so. uh, honestly <laughs> my answer to this question is is uh i don't know i i, I think the only the only uh thing that came to mind was um i believe it was call of duty modern warfare 2 the uh, oh. <laughs> the English only uh, section where are you talking about the intro of the game? Uh, is it the intro where you're like in an airport and you have to like start shooting civilians? Yeah, you're oh, just gunning okay. down. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so, you know, I'm, I feel like maybe my my compassion for people has come a little bit from my faith. So I just I could I didn't shoot anyone in that scene. I I played through it and I didn't shoot anyone and I know there are people that did and I think you were supposed to. I don't know. But uh like I just so, I just felt really like I felt really dirty in that moment yeah, shooting unarmed yeah. like regular people. And like it's weird cuz I play all kinds of first person shooters, but that's one that sticks in my mind where I was I just felt in my I just felt kind of dirty. And I know that was what I, you were supposed to yeah. feel. No, I, I think that is a really common response across the board. Right. You know, yeah. I'm not, not saying even I'm special for feeling even independent of, of religious yeah, yeah. Uh, beliefs. But yeah, I know exactly. What you mean, like the, the second part of his question, you know, how you play them. I remember telling my son, like he was playing infamous, he was running around and I had the volume turned down cause I didn't want him hearing a bunch of like, you know, swearing and stuff. Cause he's little, mm-hmm. he's a kid, you know, just a young and he's, He's just a young and he can't take it. Yeah. So anyway, so he's running around, um, you know, and he starts blowing up cars and killing civilians. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Not under my roof, young man. <laughs> Not you in don't my do, house. You don't do murder <laughs> and violate one of the Ten Commandments on my video game system, young man. So <laughs> it's funny. Not until you move out. Yeah. <laughs> See, now I can add an extra layer to this because in addition to I, I feel like I'm I'm generally influenced to kind of in games that have agency to take the moral high road whenever it's possible, at least for my first playthrough before I do the mm-hmm. the completely like depraved playthrough to see like <laughs> how crazy can it get. Sure. Um, but especially for my first playthrough through anything like my wife, who's usually there with me, like she imposes restrictions <laughs> like if i if i were to be playing like a gta style game and i'm in a room full of cops and civilians she's like you know you can't shoot any of them right <laughs> so even if i even if i you know didn't have a conscience <laughs> at that moment like prodding me she she's acting as this this audible conscience in place like i, I i'm watching you and this is not right so yeah <laughs> You got to have some morals in your, in your video gaming. <laughs> That's right. All right. Next question comes from X. I'll call him X. A- X. Um, X. So. 
Exodia noob. Exodia noob. Yes. So X says, as someone who's a child of the nineties, I find that retro games are really hard for me to play. Is it the same for any age group? This is a tough question too, because I'm not sure if, if this person means they're hard because they're really difficult because they are. Or if it's hard to play because he just can't get into them, you know? I think I think it's that production value thing. Yeah. Like, because I find the games that I played when I was a kid, I can easily go back to, like, Contra on the NES. And it's still so much fun because I have all those memories and that muscle memory built in for, like, how to play the game. But picking up a brand new old game that I never touched is a totally different experience. Yeah. Um, and so I, I can totally relate to that. Or even just playing, like, pick up an old... Like not not one of the greats, but like some janky old arcade game from like the seventies. <laughs> you know, even as a child of the eighties, right? Mm-hmm. Pick up pick up some random arcade game, and it's just like, no, this is no way. Boring, <laughs> <You know>? boring. <laughs> you you ain't even got any polygons on this thing over here. Yeah, and there's not even a single polygon. I don't like it. <laughs> None of it's rendered. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. Like. I didn't play Chrono Trigger when uh, that game came out, um, partially because it was really hard to find anywhere. Like it was oh, yeah. always rented out, and it was yeah. always sold out. And uh, Take I remember a hint, it was real good. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so even when I worked at Software Etc., which was a little bit after the Super Nintendo, um, one time someone traded in a used copy of Chrono Trigger, and the, the it was it was going for hundreds of dollars. Like it was that game. It was impossible to find. So anyway, I missed it and I've tried playing it several times. And every time I just kind of, I get, I just can't get past like the first little intro part with the, the, what is it? The festival, I guess that they have the, the like, millennial fair. I yeah, think you're referring to. Yes. I'm, that is what I, yeah. It's, I just, <laughs> I get about that far and I'm like, okay, I'm, ah, this is boring. I'd you're rather a monster. go, I'd rather go do something else. <laughs> you're a monster. <laughs> monster. I, I'm so sorry, Miguel. But that's just how it is. That's true. That's true. Okay. And the last question we have um, comes from Izzy, also known as Remenheim. All right. It's, that's her tough name. <laughs> um, she says, best slash most fondly remembered bulky polygon era game. I've been replaying Brave Fencer Musashi and it looks terrible and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's funny. We actually had two questions uh, this fortnight that referenced Brave's, Brave Fencer Musashi. Um, oh, one, interesting. The other, the other one is from Moof, but I wanted to kind of save that one for a future show. Okay. So I got, I have plans for that. Oh, one. big plans. But yeah. So what, what's your best, most fondly remembered bulky polygon era game? Uh, so I have one. Um, there's this game called Blasto that came out on the, oh, on the yeah. PS one. Uh, was that with Phil Hartman's voice? Yeah, it was a Phil Hartman yeah. voice game. And it's funny because I barely played the game. But I just remember, like, it was one of the... I just remember being so hyped for that game. Like, I remember re- reading an, a Wired article about... Or no, Next Gen. It was, it was a Next Gen, that old magazine, Next Gen, had this article about it and talked about all the technology behind it and how they were streaming the level off the disc to get, you know, as much performance as possible and, mm-hmm. like, anime streaming animations off and it just had, like... It, w- yeah, it was a very advanced game for its yeah, time. Yeah, it, and it was it was pretty fun. It wasn't the best game, but I just I just remember it fondly. I remember liking the art style a lot, and uh, and it's funny because even now um, that low poly look is still like a thing. 
Um, yeah. Like people, people go for that look. And, and I'm looking back at like, you know, footage of the game and it, it doesn't look terrible to me still after all these years. You yeah. Know? I was, I remember seeing um, some really high res uh, models of like the low polygon, um, count Final Fantasy VII models, like you know, in in when they're in short mode, you know, they're mm-hmm. running around like three feet tall, and then they grow f- somehow for the battles. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, when they're so all these, they were like really high res um, versions of those like short models, and they looked so cool. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like the this is the new pixel art nostalgia that's hitting me. Yep. You know, like mm-hmm. it, so it was cool. But yeah, mine mine has to be. I love Brave Fencer uh, Musashi at the time, and uh, I remember renting Blasto, having a good time with it. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, gosh, I think my favorite low poly and it's got to be Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> yeah, the greatest. Uh, I'm gonna throw in. <laughs> I'm gonna throw in a, a like a bonus pick. Um, Super Mario 64. Even though that game looks like utter garbage now <laughs> it is it is just so much fun to play still yeah i wish they would make an hd remaster of that oh, for wii u yeah just like take the assets from super mario galaxy and turn it into super that would be really cool yeah, yeah. that'd be awesome yeah actually there, there is a hang on really quick there is someone remade the first level of that game uh i think it i think they did it in unity or something oh, um, yeah i remember that it yeah. looked awesome i had it and downloaded Nintendo- I think Nintendo freaked out and yeah, oh, and they they shut it down immediately. <laughs> but I downloaded it, it. I have it on this hard drive somewhere. I should I should awesome. pull it out and stream it at some point or something. Yeah, yeah, you should. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So the last thing I have here, as far as the tweets are concerned, is a community question. I, I was really wanting. I got. I started to get curious about this. Uh, I saw a recent poll uh, that was along these lines. So I, I threw this one out there. Um, basically kind of gauging gauging the crowd out there so we have uh the poll is console gaming <laughs> mobile gaming <laughs> pc master race uh-huh or pizza <laughs> and so <laughs> i was operating under the assumption that the people who listen to this show for for those people pizza always wins whoa wait a second oh my goodness now, okay sorry i just looked at, at the this, results we had a major upset. Yeah. And console gaming just kicked pizza's butt. I, it was I pretty, can't believe this. It's amazing. Pretty decisive. Like over 50. So 55% of the vote went to console gaming. Wow. We got 3% mobile gamers. <laughs> wow. And I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that's, those are the Vita diehards right oh, there. Oh, maybe. Could be. Yeah. So I, although I should have probably put handheld gaming, so I was thinking more phones and yeah. tablets, but anyway, anyway, so uh PC master race, 11% mm-hmm. pizza, the folks who prefer pizza to all of these 31%. So it's still a healthy chunk <laughs> a of the chunk. vote. They, they like it better than uh, PC master race or mobile gaming. So, or console gaming for, you know, well, those, those 30, 31% do yeah. those 31%. So yeah, there you have it. Console gaming comes out with the win, but pizza. I am actually shocked that pizza didn't pizza win. Pizza was second place. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you yeah, guys really so, like console gaming. Maybe I should uh, change my my rating scheme from pizzas to console games. I give this game <laughs> five console games out of five. <laughs> that would be very confusing. <laughs> I give Starcraft uh, two five console games out of five. <laughs> <laughs> Look, dang, that's really good. <laughs> So you guys, uh-huh. Audible, Audible, oh, right? Audible. Yeah. 
So Audible is offering the listeners of this podcast a free audiobook of their choice and a free 30-day trial membership. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash SBFVGS and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. That's a lot. That's a lot of, that's a lot that's a lot of, of those. <laughs> Did we both just say that's a lot twice? I think maybe, maybe <laughs> we're, we're synced up. We're in tune. Uh, so yeah, download a, a title free, start listening. It's fun and easy. Good to do. Good to do. So as I mentioned earlier, I listened, I just finished ready player one by Ernest Klein. Mm-hmm. I listened to it on audible, which was very cool. Cause Will Wheaton reads it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in uh, no spoilers here, but in the book, like an, it takes place in like the 2040s. Um, and oh. in the book, Will Wheaton is, is in the story for this very tiny blurb as like an old man. Oh, <laughs> so that's pretty cool that he was reading the audiobook. Anyway, that was, that was fun. I got a little enjoyment out of that. Did he but do his voice I, as an old man? Oh, no, there's no dialogue. It just mentions him. Oh, I see. Um, okay. But yeah, it, it was really cool. So, um, but that book, man, I know we, we, recommended a couple times just based on our buddy Alex's recommendation. Um, but I finally have firsthand news to report. And that, that book is awesome. Can confirm is good. It is fantastic. So the, the premise is that like, um, there's this Steve jobs type figure. He's, he's crazy wealthy billionaire guy. Um, and he's created this, um, VR MMO, uh, type thing that essentially gets so popular that it it becomes many people's like escape from their miserable lives on this on this planet, mm-hmm. um, and uh, be, and it's like free to play and basically anyone can get access to it. And as he's in his twilight years, about to die, he he codes um, like a secret competition into the the, the game, basically, um, to where whoever he doesn't have any any children or family that he's going to leave his fortune and control of the company to, so he decides that whoever will whoever wins this contest and finds his Easter egg in this game will win the entire fortune. And so Whoa. it's about like this whole subculture that grows up around the contest and like how there's like evil corporate drones trying to win it too and take uh, control of the company. Really, really, really awesome. Huh. And and I found out as I was reading it that it's uh, it's being made into a, a film. By Spielberg himself. By Steven Spielberg. So... I, I, f- I feel like reading it, there's there's a lot to do with like 80s pop culture in the book because the guy, um, uh, the main guy, the, the rich dude or whatever, he was he grew up, he was a teenager in that era. So basically to win the contest or to have any hope in it, you have to basically study all his favorite things from that decade and, and to get to pick up on his little weird clues throughout the world. So. I feel like if anyone has the wherewithal to bring that 80s nostalgia to the screen in a way that does justice to the book, it would be Steven Spielberg. The man so. who invented 80s culture. <laughs> the 80s. He, he invented the if 80s, man. If it weren't man. for Spielberg, the 80s would have been a very different place. Let's put it that way. They never, they never would have happened. No Jumped Indiana right Jones. No Star <laughs> No Indiana Jones. Skipped straight to the 90s. No, <laughs> no E.T. Uh, yeah, there you go. No childhood, really. No. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been like straight out of, you know, you'd been born and you're just in 80. You're it, just 10. You'd have, yeah. <laughs> you've bo- been born like me in 81. No Spielberg around. You look around. Nope. Okay. It's 1990. We're playing, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog. I'm, I'm 12 now. <laughs> All right. So you can check out Ready Player One by Ernest Klein um, on Audible. AudibleTrial.com slash SBF VGS to get that free 
free audio That sweet, sweet free book. All right, the meat and potatoes topic mm-hmm. of the evening. Mm-hmm. Yes, we have a very special guest with us tonight, William Cheer, game developer of Renown. Hello, everybody. That's right. Welcome, welcome. Yeah, so, William, I don't know if you remember, but you and I actually go, we go way back (laughs) to PSX of 2014 in Las Vegas. Um, We hung out for minutes upon minutes while I tried out your very cool work in progress (laughs) game. Minutes upon minutes. (laughs) Which was at that time called Relativity. And so, yeah, we wanted to have you on the show to discuss your game. It's coming out pretty soon, right? Can we get some kind of scoop? Um, no, no, no date yet. It is, no it date. is, um, we are in a good state of development. Like, I don't want to say final stretch, but, but pretty close. I see the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> nice. Oh, very cool. Um, which for many years I didn't. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. So, um, I, I read your blog post about kind of the journey from the old name relativity, as it was called when I played it to, um, the new name manifold garden. And I wanted to, I, I thought if you summarize that post, it would be one of the most interesting and smartest things that has ever been said on this show. <laughs> Definitely. So can, could you give us a little breakdown of kind of like how you arrived at the name Manifold Garden? Sure. Yeah. So the game was originally called Relativity because it was inspired by the MC Escher print of the same name. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the one that has people walking on the wall and the ceiling and the floor and because the game initially was, I was like, I want to turn that into a video game. <clears throat> but the game has since evolved to be something much bigger. And uh, for a while, I just kind of kept the name because there, there was sort of like a lot of momentum going for that. Yeah. And what happened was last GDC, so about a year ago, um, this Kickstarter started for a game called Relativity. And even even then, I was already like not a... Some people had told me the ga- the name wasn't that great. It was very difficult to search for. Mm. Um, this uh, some crazy guy Einstein came up with some theory. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you talk about relativity, that that's jerk. all everybody thinks about. Mm-hmm. Um, so just from a search standpoint, like theory of relativity was always going to come out on top, and then people would always think that it had to do with the theory of relativity when when really it didn't. Right? It was more just. The yeah. idea that things were relative to one another. Mm. Um, so this Kickstarter, the Kickstarter problems ended up going away. They didn't do anything with it. But I started to look into sort of the trademark issue. And it turns out uh, there's this film company, Relativity Media, oh, yeah. out in Hollywood. And they are really, they're like a financial company. I mean, like, I think it was like some guy from Wall Street that like went over to Hollywood and started this new model. They got big mostly through they they like help marvel set up their studio oh wow oh, okay um, and and my understanding there was this like really groundbreaking setup because they allowed marvel not to put in any money basically marvel was like our ip that's what we're going to put in and you other people can put in the money <laughs> and, then, uh, and now they're they're sort of this like really big studio yeah um so, and Relativity Media just trademarked like everything under the sun. So they, they've yeah. got Relativity <laughs> in film and university and fashion and unfortunately in games, oh. even though I couldn't, I think they like did something with Major League Gaming once. 
Um, but so I couldn't trademark it. Um, and I started to think like, okay, well, you know, I could just make the game as relativity and possibly if they get angry, they'll, they'll sue me. They, they did end up going bankrupt. <laughs> so oh, wow. <laughs> no. I think that problem sort of ended up going away. I stopped following them after I changed the name, but yeah. um, it just got me thinking, you know, like you could have gotten away with it. It wasn't for maybe, those kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that's what happens if you cross paths, paths with me, you know? <laughs> no. Um, but I, I started to think of these names as like, okay, backup, right? In case I'm forced to change it. Sure, yeah. Um, and I came up with, I think, about 200. Uh, and and <laughs> oh, most of them were ter- really terrible. Like, Oh, what were some of the bad ones? Oh, man. There was like a, a relativitas. <laughs> um, it's like gravitas. Yeah, is that what that yeah, yeah, it just sounds awful. It's like, <laughs> it actually is, um, it's like a neo-Latin Okay. Um, oh, okay. You know where it's like it, it, they, they didn't actually use it in old Latin, but if you were to like take the grammar and translate it now, that's what relativity would mean. Oh, okay. It's like they conjugate the verb or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, um, there was like infinite dimension. Uh, terrible name because there's just like a ton of games names with, <laughs> okay. like, from Japan with either infinite or dimension <laughs> in it in ways that like make no sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like you'll have like metal infinite dimensionia or something. Oh yeah, we had a segment on the show one time where I made up fake Japanese game names, and these two had to try to guess which ones were real and which ones were fake. And I was not too <laughs> yeah, well. bad at it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're they're pretty crazy. Um, and uh, yeah, and I, I was kind of like looking at uh, you know other games that had gone through name changes, and it's it actually happens surprisingly often. Um, uh, Antichamber did it. It was originally called Hazard. Mm. And uh, what really inspired me was, uh, the, you know, the game Starseed Pilgrim, mm. uh, which is one of my favorite games. And I love that name. And that game originally was like, I think it was called Platform Planter. Oh, okay. <laughs> and if you just think of that name, Platform Planter is descriptive of the mechanic, but it's so uh, like boring. Yeah, and, yeah. It sounds like a mobile game. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's not inspiring, but Starseed Pilgrim, it's so poetic. Yeah. It sounds awesome. It yeah. Just like conjures up all these wonderful images. And to me, relativity, the, like the more I thought, and Manifold Garden was one that I came up with that I just kept coming back to. Mm-hmm. And the more I thought of it, relativity felt more like my version of platform planter. It was, hmm. it was a description of the mechanics, right? I mean, Okay, yeah. it wasn't Woolwalker, but relativity yeah, was really right. about the gravity changing aspect, and it didn't have anything to do with the crazy wheel wrapping, the architecture, and the the like gardening mechanic that we had implemented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and so manifold the the term for that comes from, and I really like that word. So it's actually a math term that describes topology. Um, and so with the wheel wrapping that happens inside the game, that's actually a, that's known as a three torus, which I might be getting this wrong, but it's like a compact, no boundary manifold. <laughs> um, it and it unfortunately, a lot of people think of the car part um, oh, because yeah. manifold also just means like a 
pipe that branches off into more pipes, right? Okay. And I think for the exhaust manifold, that's basically what that is. That's the only way I had um, heard it. But next to the word garden, it's it's gorgeous. Yeah. So I, I I'm I'm with you on this one. Yeah, there actually <laughs> is a gardening tool known as the manifold, like because you can water plants and it splits up. Oh like yeah, one oh. pipe of water to many. So I do occasionally. You'll see, like they'll call them garden manifolds. Oh, okay, <laughs> interesting. Um, but um, and this is something that I didn't quite notice at the time. And then manifold just means like many, numerous, right? And the, this mm-hmm. world, this game is about like a lot of these levels that are embedded within one another in crazy ways. Yeah, many folded, and this isn't something that I realized until about two months ago. Um, but uh, there is this concept known as folded level design which is when you use the same level in two different ways. So one example is like in a game, you got to, you know, use stealth to go in through a level and then, you know, get to this one room to grab some special object. Yeah. And then you trigger the alarm. And now all of a sudden you got to go through the same path again, except now you got to like blow everything up. Yeah. That's, that's folded level design because you're using the same path. Oh, okay. But in two separate ways. And I think a game that does this super cleanly is, uh, is ridiculous fishing, right? Cause when you're going down, you're trying to avoid everything and then you go back up through the same space, but now you got to catch <laughs> everything. Yeah. Right? So you're, it's folded and sorry, I see Pilgrim does this too. Um, and I implemented, I started to implement that structure into my game, mm-hmm. uh, which I think adds another layer, right? That that's known as folded level design. And I'm sort of doing, many folded level design yeah, in manifold really garden. Cool. Um, yeah. And I just love that combination of scientific word plus something scientific word that sounds very weird. Plus something that's very common that everybody knows a garden. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's awesome. Yeah. And so, it, it was like six months that it took me to make the decision. It felt very scary. Oh Yeah. Um, Oh, but, I've, I know yeah. what you mean, because naming things has got to be my least favorite thing in the world. Like naming, <laughs> naming a band is, is so difficult. And I've done that a few times. Oh gosh. So terrible. And you end up with a terrible name most times, but so, so congrats on the good name. Yeah. 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 It, it, it is really hard. It was like one of the hardest decisions I had to make, but you know, I was like, um, every part of this game has been iterated so many times the name, which is one of the most important part of it, why am I just taking this, you know, the first thing that popped into my head before I even started making this game? Yeah, sure. No, that's, yeah. True. that's a good point. <laughs> it's something so important, and yet I'm just going with the first thing that I came up with. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then it was like, man, what if I rename it and then nobody knows about the game? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> fortunately, the name change ended up being my biggest press push. Like I got the most amount of simultaneous press when I changed the name and I was like, I should change the name every week. <laughs> Get all kinds of press. That's, That's amazing. Great. So just for anyone who's not familiar with the game, um, can you give us kind of the elevator pitch? Sure. Um, so it is a first person exploration game that deals with impossible geometry, unusual physics and crazy architecture the game is a metaphor for the last 400 years of physics. So you basically start off learning how gravity works in this world, which is very different than our normal world. And you explore and learn and experiment and then master these rules. And by the end, 
you have an understanding of the shape of the universe. Oh, very basically. cool. So it, it's a abstract journey about self-enlightenment, self-enlightenment <laughs> through puzzles and architecture. Oh man. That's, very cool. Yeah. I'm amazing. sure it's, <laughs> I'm sure it's changed quite a bit since I played it uh, a little bit more than a year ago. Um, but yeah, I, I just, uh, I'm, I'm really interested to see, I think the, I saw probably kind of some of the early parts of the game, I'm guessing is what you were showing then. Um, yeah, where, it was just the opening level. Yeah, I, if okay. I recall correctly. Yeah. Yeah. So just where you have a little bit of the w- walking up the wall and that becomes the floor mechanic, picking up blocks and using gravity in different ways to solve these puzzles. Um, and yeah, so. I'm I'm definitely really excited to see kind of how it's evolved because from some of your your live stream footage it looks like there are all kinds of new mechanics now so that's going to be very cool. Um, Mike, you had a you had a good question. Yeah, you go so ahead and take it. Sure. Um, can I just say how how amazing it sounds though to discover the universe <laughs> through a game though that's that's incredible. Yeah. Um, so I'm taking it. This is this is your first entry into game development yes yeah so that's that's gotta be pretty intimidating to start out with what what kind of got you interested in pursuing this project in particular so uh prior to making this uh i was actually an installation artist for about four years working with balloons um as my medium and i actually didn't even play games i mean i had an n64 when i was 14 and i played a lot of tony hawk pro skater (laughs) and then basically stopped playing games after that um like i didn't even play any games in college which is weird because like every other dorm room someone's got an xbox or playstation yeah um and what happened was the so i I was using balloons and had kind of in the contemporary art world gotten like typecast as the balloon guy (laughs) and and it's very much a a double-edged sword to get typecast because you know, on the one hand, it's, it is good to have this like immediately recognizable thing, but sure. then it also meant you just couldn't do anything else. Yeah. And the thing with balloons is that uh, the novelty of that medium just completely overshadows any message you've got. You know, it, it doesn't matter what the subject is. Everyone's reaction will be, oh, cool. Balloons. And And this was... And, and, you know, I, I sort of noticed this after four years because I felt the work had really matured, but then the reaction was in a lot of ways still the same. Hmm. And and I was at this point where it finally, it I had this whole system, right? Like every time I d- did an installation, I would write down things that I did wrong um, so that I can improve next time. I'm, by the end of this, I'd done about 40 projects and I had this 30 page document of things to look at, consider before, during and after it, it almost felt like I could do it in my sleep. Uh-huh. Um, and, but it was also at a point where a lot of the commissions I was getting was starting to be like, Hey, can you give us, can you do this? Uh, like, can you do a piece um, just like that other one, except with our company's, logos colors oh, fair enough yeah um right now i was like oh, okay am i just this glorified you know party decorator um <laughs> and it, it was sort of i was sort of like at that path where i could i could continue down there and and it felt like i finally got this business model going but i didn't want to become the balloon guy mm-hmm. um later down the road and i was trying out different materials i looked at uh glass blowing just because that mm-hmm. felt like a really natural transition metal working but none of them 
really felt right. Plus, they all had these incredibly difficult logistics. You know, let's say you got a commission in California, you have the stuff fabricated in here, in, you know, in Illinois. How am I going to ship glass? Oh yeah, you got to you know talk to some yeah. trucking company, right? And then you got to get like civil engineers on board when you install this thing. Um, and a friend of mine, this was like 20, 2012, uh, a friend of mine was really into gaming and he started telling me stuff like journey, um, flow, uh, braid and indie game. The movie had come out and he backed sure. it on Kickstarter. So you invited me over to his place and we watched that mm-hmm. and kind of seeing that movie, seeing just like the amount of passion in the work. Mm-hmm. Plus, I, at this point, I was kind of getting really disillusioned with the art world, just, you know, with with a lot of what's in the news in the art world being when things sell for crazy amount, crazy prices yeah. that are like made by the artist's studio assistant. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, he just like pointed out, you know, where, what colors he wanted. Um, and then also <laughs> just hearing Jonathan Blow talk about games as a medium, it I was like, hey, you know, I, I know how to program. I yeah. studied physics and I worked in advertising. So I had a, some sense of design and had done some 3D modeling here and there. And I was like, games just sounds like a combination of all of those. I, and I played some of the smaller indie games like uh, Graveyard from Tale of Tales that are like, you know, these five, 10 minute experiences, mm-hmm. you know, because all I knew before then was Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Yeah. And I was like, oh, OK, so so games are like this now. This is totally something I can do. And I wanted to make, um, I thought I would sort of do, well, my first idea was to do this uh, MMO set in Chicago that took like real world map data. Oh, man. <laughs> you, you just, that's like totally something that if you don't have any idea of game development, that's like what you would want to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and I was like, that seems kind of complicated. Maybe I'll do something small to learn Unity. Mm-hmm. And that was what Manifold Garden originally was intended to be. It was supposed to be a three-month project to familiarize myself with Unity so I can tackle this Chicago MMO. <laughs> um, and well, here I am, <laughs> yeah. three and a half years later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's pretty wild. Yeah, I, I love Indie Game the Movie for that reason, too. Hearing like uh, Jonathan Blow talk about uh, Braid, and then I'm, I'm actually playing The Witness right now, and which yeah. is it's, it's fantastic. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's really cool. I, I came away from that inspired, and I have no clue how to make a game. So I, <laughs> I, I understand a guy that already has all the skill set, you know, come away from that and like, yeah, I'll make a game. <laughs> but I, I was so wrong, you know, like the the skill set that it takes to make a game is so different. Uh, it, it really has been this this learning experience. Sure. Yeah. Throughout. Yeah. So I, I was curious: Are do you have uh, uh, any help with development, or are you a lone manifold gardener? So I was alone for the first two and a half years. Um, and uh, around this time last year, I got backed by IndieFund. Oh, um, okay. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with them. That's like a group made of um, several <clears throat> uh, indie developers that got big, kind of that first generation. So Jonathan Blow is on it. Uh, Nathan Vela of Capybara, Ron, uh, Ron Carmel, who world of goo and kelly santiago who was who worked on journey basically they i think fez was actually the first game they funded oh okay kind of unofficially like 
they did that as a group and then they were like, hey, you know, we should make this official. I think there's a lot of indie developers that can benefit from this. Mm-hmm. Um, so games they funded include uh, Antichamber, Fract. Uh, the first game they backed was Cube. Huh. Um, oh, yeah. I remember that on PS3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 uh, it came out like 2009, I think. It was a while ago. Um, and the, <laughs> the Swapper. Oh, so really I love the swapper. Uh, so uh, is that Dragon Cancer one of the games? It looks like it. I'm, I, I think that, I found that the is. Website. Yeah, I think it's like they did sort of um, friend of indie fun. So it was like indie fun and a bunch of other people oh, okay. Oh, okay. matched whatever they got on Kickstarter. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. <clears throat> so initially you were solo, but now do you have one or uh, right? So I, I now or? have a uh, a programmer who just came on board full time starting in January. Okay. Um, like he, so I basically talked to IndieFund because I knew I was I would need help. Uh, like I did everything at the beginning, and but I'm not really a great programmer, and it's mm-hmm. not really something I enjoy. Like I know enough of it to figure stuff out and do it. Um, but it was it was really slowing me down. You know, I was like, I want to just focus on design, except. I'd be designing a level and then the door would be broken and I'd have to take a data. Yeah. Yeah. Figure out what's wrong. It would just like get me out of the, I just like couldn't stay in that, that Zen mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Flow. Um, so yeah, I got indie fun and I brought on a programmer part time uh, and we spent, so most of last year there wasn't a lot of new content created, but we rewrote the back end. We wrote a bunch of editor tools. Um, oh, okay. Just to facilitate level design, um, making it really easy for me to just like get ideas onto, onto the scene. Mm-hmm. And we are now kind of wrapping that up and starting. So I'm now getting back into level design and David, he's the programmer, David Lasky, he's come on board full time. So just focusing on optimization, uh, you know, making sure the PS4 port like runs very well, stuff like that. Sure. Nice. Yeah, and it's been great. I like. I don't want to make games alone after having worked with someone else. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. So I was curious, kind mm-hmm. of, if you could describe uh, some of the mechanical changes that have kind of taken place over since since the inception. You know, where it was more the gravity uh, mechanic. You know, all the kind of some of the cool things you've added since. Yeah, so you know, early on it was it was just the the um the gravity changing part and actually the very so right now in the game you change the player's orientations, right? So the room stays the same and you change the player's orientation. It's very much like that scene in Inception when they full Paris in half and start walking up the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the first ver- the very first version of the game which I worked on for 4 months was different in that the player orientation stayed the same and you rotated the room. Oh, um, hmm. But the problem with that was like, you could not put any objects in the scene because as soon as you rotate it, everything would just slide to that bottom right corner and stay there. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, and it, it had a bunch of other problems and I worked on that for four months, play tested it and it was a disaster. So I kind of rewrote the system and originally the game took all took place indoors and was just about changing gravity. But then it sort of through playtesting and kind of going with whatever seemed more interesting, you know, I allowed players to go outside and then when they went outside, they would fall off. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, right. And the, the reason why they went outside was cause like I had windows. I, I like there was originally, there was no directional light, 
But then people are like, you know, if I'm picking up a box, I would really like to see its shadow so I can see where it's aligned to because it's depth perception in first person games is really hard. Mm -hmm. You know, so I added a directional light and then people are like, where's this light coming from? So I added a window (laughs) to explain where the light's coming from. And then they're like, hey, you know, then they were able to see the outside area. Um, It wasn't intentional. It was just because, you know, there were a bunch of rooms in the same scene and because of where I placed the window, you were able to look into another room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People were like, Hey, am I eventually going to go outside? I was like, um, I wasn't planning on it, but <laughs> it seems like you're interested. So yeah, I'll let you go outside. <laughs> and then they go outside, but then they'd fall off. And I used to just fade the screen to black and respawn people. But that was like, not that interesting. So I added the world wrapping, right? So now if you fall off, instead of killing the player, there's just another version of the world beneath you. Oh, that's really Um, cool. Right. So then it was just kind of like, you know, it wasn't like, Oh my God, I'm going to have world wrapping from the beginning. It was just sort of like step by step. Okay. Let's, let's do the more interesting. Let's go down the more interesting path. And then it just has led to, then the game just sort of grew from there. You know, we had world wrapping and then, uh, you know, there were separate instances and we're like, okay, well, what if we start having the instances not be so far apart so that they connect? So, uh, you know, if, instead of it's like you're on this cube and then you can very clearly see the next cube, you know, quite a while down, but now what if you move them closer together? So it's just this massive, they're all connected. So you can have this skyscraper that has no beginning and no end. Um, <laughs> yeah. Some of the the screenshots you post, they just have this really striking look, just like hardcore geometry going off in, <laughs> ad infinitum, you know, like, and it yeah. just, it gives the game such a unique look. If just for anyone listening, if you guys haven't seen any screenshots of the game, look it up because it is, it is very cool to look at. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Um, I, I absolutely love the art style. Yeah, and all, and again, that that art style just took, you know, again, it there there was never like all through development. I never ha- there were a few moments when you get these like big ideas that that shift um, the game in a in a really new way. But but most of the time, it was just a bunch of tiny ideas that like over time added up, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that 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 art style now it's like, I can't pinpoint anything exactly that's made it good. It's just, but there's a bunch of things is the edge detection. And then it's, you know, it fades away to a lighter color in the distance mm-hmm. and we clean up the artifact and there's a screen space gradient mm-hmm. and it's all the, all of them add up together to, to have this impact. Um, so that, that's sort of been, been the last three and a half years, just these tiny improvements yeah. <laughs> piling yeah. up over time. Just iteration. It, looks, yeah, iteration. it looks really amazing. Yeah, um, which kind of brings me to to my next question is, um, is there a plan to have like a photo uh, mode for the game? I know we've we've seen some of these games coming out recently to have the ability to sort of just step out and take an amazing screenshot. Uh, yeah, we have we have implemented something uh, actually in the recent PSX. It was it was in the game, but the problem was there was there was like no prompt to oh. get you to go in, so nobody really tried it. You had to touch the. Um, if you hit the touchpad on the DualShock 4 controller, it brought you into that mode. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd like to. It's it's we have sort of the basics working. It is the only thing is that it's really hard to get the UI right for that. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at The Last of Us, and they've done a fantastic job where they sort of map all the camera controls to the controller. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is if you switch to 
PC, you actually have to have like separate buttons. Oh, you know what I mean? So like, like the, the way that they, they, they do the controllers, like you can do the shoulder buttons to change between modes, uh, like different sections of the camera. And then you would hit triangle to tweak the, you know, uh, the lighting, uh, or like mm-hmm. the focus or whatever. Right. But sure. You if you're using mouse and keyboard, you have to have like sliders oh, yeah. instead. Oh, and okay. it's really hard to, to kind of like swap back and forth. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, you know, we'll eventually we'll fix it. There's, there's no reason to let a UI problem mm-hmm. stop us from implementing, but it was one of those things where you, it seems really easy. And then you start to implement it. And you're just like, <laughs> wow, this is going to be a nightmare. Mm-hmm. So I, I've seen you do a lot of uh, development live streams on your Twitch yeah. channel. Um, do you find that that helps the creative process as you're designing uh, to kind of show people and get that instant feedback? Yeah, it's um, yeah, it, it's sort of been a really great time for me to start doing it. So one of the things that people like I, I get one question I get a lot is like, um, you know, if if you're starting a game and you're streaming aren't you going to get like too much feedback from others and maybe they'll distract you from your vision. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really, I haven't really found that to be a problem just because I'm so far into the game now. Like mm-hmm. I'm three years in. So I, I have a very good understanding of what the game is and what I want it to be that I'm not like, whereas I think if you're just in the early stages of the game, you're sort of, you know, much more inclined to take people's suggestion um, that that may not always be right. Um, so, yeah, but it has been very good for me to, it's one thing that's so great about streaming development on Twitch is that it really is the best medium to talk about games, you know, Mm -hmm. like on Twitter, people say, Hey, what's your game about? Um, and maybe I link them to a video or, or I try to describe it, but in Twitch, I can just be like, Hey, here's the mechanic you know what, let me show you something cool. This is what I'm working on right now. Mm-hmm. I can show you the code. I can explain how it works. This is what it looks like in the editor. It's, it's really fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then what's been great is I have, you know, there's a lot of regulars. So especially with this new dark mode, which is this new mechanic I added about two months ago, people, I was able to sort of discuss with people all throughout that because uh, you know from the very beginning i was like hey you know i have this idea here's very rough what do you guys think yeah um and that that was that has been incredibly helpful and it's also just a really nice way to like motivate myself to focus like when you're streaming you can't really you know go on netflix oh, yeah, that's <laughs> true. right so you gotta, you gotta make true. sure you're you're kind of working. Yeah. Um, yeah. When, you, when you're your own boss, it, I guess there's no boss to come by and say, Hey, get back to work. Yeah. <laughs> right. So. so you just, you just work in public, you know, <laughs> yeah. and have, you know, that's brilliant. Have actually. Everybody be looking at you while you're working. So you have to focus. <laughs> that's funny. So if I understand right, uh, you're developing for PS4 and PC currently. Yes. Um, have you given any thought with this being a first-person puzzle game to um, the PlayStation VR as a platform at all? I, I actually haven't tried it. It might be worth just, like, getting it to work on VR just so I can see what that feels like. Um, but then, <laughs> well, and then, of course, there's also the performance problem, right? I mean... Yeah, definitely. You gotta render everything twice, right? We are already have... Yeah, so you not only have to render twice, you have to have it at like 90 frames per second yep. for, for really good experience. And we've got our hands full just trying to get <laughs> sure. it. 
uh, 60-ish. Right? <laughs> I think it's a little better than 30. I don't want to say 60 because that, that's pretty hard with the amount of rendering we're doing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, we, we have it now where it like, feels good on the PS4, but it is not easy for us. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm just like, uh, you know, VR just comes with so many problems and it's just <laughs> going to make development so much more difficult. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's my first game. Let me just focus on the <laughs> yeah. that I've signed up for already. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so given given that, what about the the world's greatest handheld, the, the Vita? <laughs> yes. I have not looked into the Vita. Um, I think don't don't worry, nobody is. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say that. I was gonna say like, aren't there less and less Vita announcements? We don't like to put it year? that way. Uh, <laughs> we like to think it's a, it's a shining star just burning a little too bright. Yes, yeah. I don't have yes. a Vita, so just don't just ignore um, those two. <laughs> and like, I see, you know, I I know a lot of developers like promise Vita ports and then. They things yeah, happen and that does. And I'd, I'd rather yeah. not promise something yeah. that I don't think I can deliver. Um, 100%. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Fair enough. So do you have time to play games with all this uh, time spent making a game? Oh, not so much. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like I've been trying to finish the witness and for a while I was oh. able to like when it first came out, I was doing like an hour a day, which was so really good. good for me. Yeah, and then uh, I haven't played it in a week, mostly because GDC is coming up. Oh, okay. And uh, I'm giving a talk there, oh, and nice. it's just a ton of work to prepare for that. Uh, yeah, yeah, the talk is on impossible geometry. So you're like playing through the game and taking all these screenshots, and you know, editing that and practicing and recording. Um, and then we got invited to show Manifold Garden at GDC as part of um, the Day of the Devs exhibit. Oh, nice. Oh, congratulations, oh, man. That's great. Yeah, and I only got, I only, they only told me that like about a week ago. <laughs> so all of a sudden now we're like, oh, you know, we also got to get a new build ready um, yeah. for that. Yeah, um, no, no pressure. So, yeah, and but the thing is, I, I kind of like was really hoping I would have the witness finished before GDC so I can go and talk to everybody about it. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, that's going to be hard. It's a big game. So. Yeah. 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 And I, I'm not very far into it. So. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess I guess in closing, uh, you know, is there anything else you'd like to add about the game or uh, yeah, are, are we going to see it in 2016? I, I hope Perhaps? so. We are. We are working <laughs> okay. very hard. It is. Um, the nice thing is now having two of us, it's it's you know, last year when David first came on board, I'd like never worked with anyone else before. And there was, uh-huh. there was definitely this learning curve, like my productivity gone down, you know, um, initially, but we're now at the stage where he like understands the game. He knows, he understands me. And we're, I would say we're both working at like full productivity. Um, so awesome. I'm, I'm pretty excited. Like, it just feels we're like moving ahead, you know, full steam ahead. And, uh, I feel like these things that would that usually would take me like a week to do. David is just getting them done in a day. Nice, <laughs> that's um, awesome. So that feels really great. Like even if I have a not so productive day, David's like, "Here, this is done, and that is done, and that is done," and then I end up feeling productive. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um. So yeah, well, I don't. I don't want to get you know too cocky, but but I we it does you know I'm, I'm feeling really good about where development is at. 
That's awesome. Um, yeah, but, we, we can't wait yeah. to see more for sure. So, okay, well, we'll be looking out for it at, uh, at GDC. That's awesome. Well, you guys, end of the show plugs for men. Oh, for men. right. End of the show. Yes, William, where can people follow your work? Uh, so I am on Twitter. Uh, it's just William Cheer and um, the C-H-Y-R. That's my last name. And then uh, the website for the game. I'm actually very happy with the URL. It's actually manifold.garden. Whoa, that's awesome. awesome. I saw that. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that has, uh, you know, there's links to devlog, which I've been keeping for almost over two years now. Um, and that's, you can like, it's like 45 pages and that has the game from the early parts when it looked terrible. <laughs> uh, and it, 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 even the parts where I started adding will wrapping for the first time, like that's all in there. And that's cool. The shader has grown, um, over the years. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of like the this journal of the game's growth is is all there. <laughs> That's cool. So yeah, definitely follow William on Twitter. He's always posting cool uh, Twitch uh, links and and screenshots. Oh yeah, and, and, and then on stuff. Twitch, I'm also just just William Cheer, and I I don't have a regular schedule on Twitch, but I stream, you know, a few times a week. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> All right, so you can also help support this show, this podcast, this one, uh, for $0 by signing up for a free audiobook on audibletrial.com slash sbfvgs. Treat yourself to an sbfvgs t-shirt on cafepress.com slash sbfvgs. You can check out our latest gaming videos on the sbfvgs YouTube. That's bit.ly slash sbfvgsyt. If we repeat sbfvgs enough times, that ridiculous acronym will stick in your head. <laughs> right. SBFVGS. That's right. That's our little scheme. So, <laughs> special thanks to Eric Kruger for our podcast logo. And uh, also, I noticed we had a bunch of... I hadn't checked iTunes in a while, but we had a bunch of new reviews. So thank you guys uh, for leaving all those awesome reviews you guys are the best so um but yeah if you like the show leave us a review if you haven't already um on itunes and tell a friend every little bit helps so that is very cool um you can follow us on twitter uh the podcast account is sbf vgs podcast i am barry white b-u-r-y-w-i-t-e mike is taco douglas and david is david j tate uh you can find us on psn uh with those same names except for mike who is taco underscore douglas mm-hmm. uh william do you care to share your psn or is it all confidential <laughs> That is the only, uh, my shame is that I mostly just play NBA 2K. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. That's That's fair enough. All right, so you can also join the S, uh, the Super Best Friends video game sleepover PS4 community. Uh, friend us on there. Let's play some games. Um, and uh, yeah, David and I are also on Xbox Live, Barry White, and uh, David is T-T-O-E, T-T-O-E. on Xbox Live. Uh, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash SBFVGS or follow the blog at SBFVGSpodcast.wordpress.com. And that's all the time we have. Thank you so much to William Cheer for joining us tonight. It has been super cool. 
A lot of real smart things were said, and we appreciate it. Uh, um, thank you for having me on the show. Oh, yeah, thank you so much yeah, for coming on. Awesome. Anytime. You're, you're welcome to come back. So, um, But yeah, that's all the time we have for Super Best Friends Video Game Sleepover, episode 37. Thank you for listening. We'll be back every two weeks with more classically handsome talk on gaming. <laughs> Hit us up on Twitter or Facebook with your questions, topics, or musings if you want to be part of the show. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Right. Bye-bye. I feel like all faiths and creeds and tribes and tongues should should be able to uh, unite behind the hatred of Dante in the Devil Cry reboot. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.